Smells like football, baby. <laughs> What up, guys? Welcome into the Fantasy Football Smackdown, kicking off the month of March. March 1st, if you're watching us live on YouTube, part of the DWZ Football Network. Tuesday, if you're listening on the podcast, I'm your host, Kyle August, and with me now, as always, Jake Rip. What up, bro? Jake Rip, come on, not Jake Rip. Say it. Say it for the people. <laughs> I, I forgot it. <laughs> oh, you're Kyle, you're speaking to the excellence of execution right there it now. Is. There it is. Excellence of execution. My bad. Get it together. Put some show notes together before we hit record. Dang it. <laughs> oh, man. As I'm like going through it in my head, I'm like, ah, shit. What was it? <laughs> it was E, to a couple E's, something in there, which, yeah, thanks, Memphis. Now this is now on my plate forever in all I, ways. But. I told you I like that one, and I'm going to lean into it, and I meant it. I was going to use the old rip your heart out, but, you know, but uh, I just save, went with save it for next week. Jake Rip. There we go. So how, how you been, man? How, what's going on in your life these days? <laughs> Dude, fantastic. Just, you know, we're through another week. Uh, just every Sunday without football, it's just you, you, same as uh, same as the week before. You wake up, you try to find something to do. There's nothing to do. And then you find yourself on Monday ready to record a podcast. Yeah, no, no doubt. That, hey, that's why I encourage people, if you're watching on YouTube, you, you can tell that big nascar fan here so it, it lines up perfect man because like it was super bowl sunday the next week daytona 500 and i got nascar all year long here so look, look at jake we're, pro- we're promoting nascar and we're promoting hockey baby <laughs> there you go hey patrick kane 400th goal last night so hey, congrats, you know, Daddy. yeah yeah he's He's, he's all right. Not too bad. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's <laughs> Yes. Well, I guess we could talk about some football. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about some dynasty trade targets and not just giving you some names and, and buzzing through this thing, but actually laying it out, kind of getting you prepped for how you could prepare to add these players uh, as we are as business is going to pick up. I think I mentioned, obviously, it's March now, right? We're just a couple weeks away from free agency. People are going to start tuning back in. We're less than two months away from the NFL draft and rookie season, obviously always brings people back into a uh, fantasy football mindset. So, you know, we might get a little bit of law there through the summer. If your league's good, you know, everybody stays active, but uh, this is definitely a time when business starts picking up. So you can get the jump on your league mates and make some solid trades. But before we dive into the players that we have, we got uh, about a dozen for you guys here on the show, Jake, I wanted just your overall thoughts on, on rookie picks. Now we obviously you and I both play dynasty Every dynasty player has their own kind of philosophy on this, I think. and Or maybe you don't do it on purpose, but maybe you find that you just, this is my philosophy apparently. But how do you treat rookie picks when you have them in dynasty leagues? And and uh, and, and how do you usually find yourself using them? I don't have one specific uh, philosophy that I follow with rookie picks. It's going to depend a lot on what my, my roster looks like or that specific dynasty roster looks like. Uh, but you know what? I tend to kind of hoard rookie picks, especially when you have a rookie class like this one coming up where it's just name after name after name after name to the point where, you know, you can start collecting second round picks. And I feel really, really good about every single one of those. Um, you know, if it's if it's if we're talking about two quarterback or we're talking about super flex, um, you know, you and I talked about it a little bit before we hit record, but I'm going to definitely put a little bit of a premium on or a lot of a premium, I should say, on quarterback so that someone like Justin Herbert doesn't go slipping through the cracks again in 2021. Yeah, no doubt. And 
I I wish every time I I get a lot of, of rookie picks, I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna sell these things. Like I I am just like the worst when it comes to to hanging on to picks. I'm usually I'm I'm mortgaging the future too. If like the first thing I'm doing most most of the time in the off season is like, man, how many years out can I trade? All right, good, you know. But uh, in all series, go ahead. I'm sorry, but I was gonna say you can't go wrong either. Like kind of looking ahead, like especially this time of year, year, start scrolling through some of your dynasty rosters or some of the guys in your league and think like, okay, this guy's roster looks damn weak. I'm going to make an offer for his first round pick. Cause you know, I did, I did that last year on a couple of teams and it got me a couple of nice early first round picks, just a little, little nice, uh, little trade strategy early in this episode. Yeah, for sure. Because I think the one thing that sometimes doesn't, that gets overlooked is, you know, those future picks, everyone kind of values them the same from team to team by default. You know, once you get, once the draft order set, right, you can tell like there is obviously a huge difference between when you're carrying the one Oh three versus the guy carrying the one ten, Right. So like, but you, if you can get a little bit of a jump on your league mates and grab those picks um, for cheaper, you know, those future picks, that's definitely a a great strategy. I I think the one thing, again, I usually will kind of, I'd rather have the bird in the hand sometimes. So usually kind of find me trading off picks, but the one thing I'll say is if you're going to do that, the time to, you know, to uh, trade your draft picks away in, in season is great. But if you have them right now, just hold on to these things, man. They got nowhere to go but up. As we get closer and closer to, to uh, these rookie drafts, people are going to want back in. They want in on this thing, right? FOMO fact, is for if real. You, if you take it the whole way to draft day, I mean, yeah. the, the price of those rookie picks will just be through the roof mm-hmm. to the point where you wait until you're on the clock. And then you let the league, your league mates know if anyone who wants this pick, come at me. Let me know what you're willing to do. I mean, you'll be amazed. No, it no, it never fails. And even as somebody that usually trades picks away, is I have to remind myself on draft day, like settle down, man. You did this for a reason. Like, don't get crazy yeah. and overpay and try to just to get back in it because you'll see it, man. You'll see these people that make these trades just so that they can be the one to click submit or announce the name. But then the second you leave the draft, would you have paid that value for that same player? Probably not. Some, you know, right. a lot of the time. So, got to be careful with that. But um, there's just a little background on, on on rookie picks, and I think it, it's uh, you can definitely take different approaches, but <laughs> they're, they're fun nonetheless, right? So, let's dive into some names now. Uh, we we put together a team of draft targets. So we both have a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers. And as Memphis calls it, the vegetables, the tight end. But we're going to leave vegetables for last. I know he did vegetables first, but I like to leave my vegetables for last because hopefully I'm already hungry. I'm I'm not hungry anymore and I can just leave them there. So uh, let's start with the quarterbacks. And Jake, I'm going to kick it to you here, man. Who is the quarterback that you're targeting in trades right now? Yeah, the quarterback position, especially when you're looking for trade targets, is kind of tricky because you kind of know for the most part what players are, unless they're a rookie, a first-year player, they have a little bit of experience. And that's kind of what I have here in Jalen Hurts. I think it's kind of funny, too, the people who aren't convinced that Jalen Hurts is going to be the Eagles quarterback of the future. It's like as if he went out there last season and showed zero promise, and now we have to wonder, is Philly going to go ahead and take a quarterback now in the first round? I don't think it's happening. I would be shocked. You know, We look at what did he do last season in his limited time. 330-plus passing yards in two of his four games. Uh, completion percentage leaves a lot to be desired, uh, but you know, 60 plus rushing yards in three of his four games. And what it comes down to is what else do you really want to ask for this guy who had to make his first career start in week 14, not to mention that first start came against a new Orleans defense that was stopping 
everybody. You know how many points that Saints defense was allowing on average the five weeks leading up to Hertz debut? Don't take a guess, Kyle. Uh, to the quarterback position or or points scored? To the yeah, to the offense. How many points were they giving up? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with 22. Dude, they were allowing nine points per game for so five <laughs> weeks leading up to Hurts' debut. What does Jalen Hurts do? He leads the Eagles to a 24-21 win that would have absolutely ended with Philly getting blown out had they started Carson Wentz. You know, you look at Hurts, what is he given to throw to in his first season? You get Zach Ertz on the tail end of his career. I know you're a little more optimistic than I am on Ertz going forward. Uh, but you get Jalen Rager, who proved to everyone last year that he's probably not a number one wide receiver in the NFL. Outside of that, you get, you know, what, Travis Fulgham, Greg Ward. Dallas Goddard is legitimately his only reliable receiving option. Uh, as he's thrown into the fire here, you know, he was just kind of put into a situation to fail from the get go. Uh, but he was still able to battle that adversity and, and make that offense function in a way that was just not po- possible with Carson Wentz under center. Uh, but whatever the Eagles do at pick number six, that's going to either send Jalen Hurts to the moon or it's going to just <laughs> tank his value because they're going to either go. They're going to either go into that draft and come away with Jamar Chase with that pick which is absolutely a possibility. And then all of a sudden, you know, Hurts is quarterbacking an Eagles offense with Sanders in the backfield, one of the best receiver prospects in the game in some time. Uh, Jalen Rager taking the top off the defense. And then there's so much wide receiver talent, again, that you and I already talked about before this show, uh, that they could make they could find an immediate difference maker at the receiver position in the second round of this draft if they didn't go with Jamar Chase. But obviously, that's just the dream scenario here. But uh, if anyone in your league you know, has any concern about Jalen Hurts and they think that he's going to end up backing up Trey Lance next season, do them a solid and take Jalen Hurts off their hands. You know, in terms of draft picks, I'd be willing to trade as high as the 108 in Superflex for Jalen Hurts. I think that's kind of a, a good realm in terms of picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be happier with something closer to the back end of the first. But, uh, in terms of player value, man, Jalen Hurts, he was just outside my top 12 quarterbacks when we did our player rankings. He just, just missed that episode, and I need to change that because I was looking back, and the more I think about it, someone like Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill who just made the cut for me, you know, 10 years older than Jalen Hurts. He lacks the mobility that Hurts has. Uh, you know, if I If I had... Tannehill on my team, I would absolutely be trying to flip him for the guy that might just be the league's next best Konami code quarterback. Yeah, it's you said, I mean, you mentioned it. This could be a guy that turns into not not dust, but that things could go way south real quick. If you mentioned Chase at six overall in the NFL draft, that would be great. What if they move up or they draft a quarterback, if they get fields there at, at, at 106? Tragic. Then it changes everything, right? So th- this is the guy that I've really had a tough time uh, ranking, and you mentioned it. You know, we talked about the top twelves um, at the position. I would have Hertz, you know, just at the back end of my top twelve if I knew that they weren't taking a QB there. The fact that Wentz is no longer there, you meant the rushing you alluded to. He he is going to be a guy. He's probably going to be top ten for me in redraft leagues this year because of that rushing ability. But it it could just turn sour so fast. So when you're, when you're trading for him, you do want to try to, you know, find a guy that's maybe a little bit more worried. And I think the one Oh eight there is, 
is a fine price to pay. Like you said, later would be better, but um, yeah, it's, it's risky, but you're, you're going to know real quick. I don't think it's one where you're kind of, ah, you're not going to know till August, whether he wins the job or something like that. You're going to know by May 1st. If they were only going to give him four games to actually prove that he can quarterback this team, I don't even know why they went and wasted the draft pick on him in the first place. And and like, it's not like he went out there and he sucked. He was fine. The completion (laughs) percentage wasn't great, but Josh, Josh Allen's completion percentage wasn't great either in his rookie year. So, Uh. Well, this is an organization that uh, with a few of their offseason moves have also shown that they're not afraid to just move on uh, from guys firing their head coach just three years removed from the Super Bowl, getting rid of Carson Wentz after giving him a massive contract. <laughs> but, you know, and th- that's the thing. Usually in this situation, when a team trades a guy like Carson Wentz, I'm like, hey, that's that's confidence in the backup. But that yeah. 106 scares the living crap out of me. Like if it was later, a little bit later, even 108, maybe 110, uh, in the NFL draft, I'd be like, okay, let's, you know, I, we should be good. But that 106, man, I just don't know. And your Atlanta Falcons scare the crap out of me too, because what if they, if they don't take a QB and the Jets don't take a yeah. QB? That's what I was just about to say. You know, the, yeah. some of those teams in the first five picks can make this really interesting if they don't take quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So you went with Hertz, uh, a sophomore quarterback. Now I'm going to, I'm going to stick on that same train. I'm going to go with Tua, a guy that had a lot more draft capital uh then then Hertz did not just in the NFL draft but in rookie draft last year this kid was the 102 pretty much in rookie super flex drafts last year now in hindsight which is undefeated by the way uh Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow were you know were probably clearly the better options there but I think Tua is somebody that if you you looked at that today he'd be ranked third in that class if you compare him to this year you know he's definitely not going to be taken ahead of of you know of uh of Lawrence and you have Wilson and Fields right there as well and I think when you look at Tua, the tough the tough thing to remember sometimes is that there were some health concerns coming in. Not in a, and you know his long term value was one of those things, but just how healthy was, he was going to be out of the gate. And he was given the first seven weeks off. The Dolphins had their bye, and they rolled him out there as the starter. And you know he struggled. He wasn't all you'd hoped for, but he had some flashes here and there. He had he was at fifteen uh, fifteen point one points per game if you exclude the week six game where he threw two passes. Uh, and that was right there. Baker Mayfield was 15.4 points per game. And we, you know, everyone really, you know, was touting him for a bounce back season and everything. And that was with Tua not really having many weapons. Parker was injured. Preston Williams was already pretty much out at that point. I believe they were using a mixed bag at running back, which they that's there's the running back position now is still kind of up in the air. But I think this is an offense that, you know, could look to add pieces around them. They have ton of draft capital. They can find guys, not just by committing, you know, their first round, uh, they're two first round picks. They have the third pick. Thanks to uh, the trade with the Texans. Bob still lives in infamy, uh, Bob. but I think they could add a couple of really nice offensive weapons without sacrificing, you know, their draft this year. They have a ton of picks. They could build around two and really give him a shot. So I, I think two is just a guy that you can, he hasn't fallen as much as I think people might think uh, as far as value, right? He was just one year removed. It's going to be tough to probably get him away um, and, and steal them. But the few things that I put together, um, and just for full disclosure, I used uh, uh, DLF trade analyzer for some of these values to try to see, you know, what might work according to that. So you said the 108 for Hertz, which I thought was good. I said anything after the 106. Um, so 107 or, or later, um, you know, for two, I think would be great. I'd be willing to take that scratch off. And even if he's my QB two, you know, for the next four years in Miami, I'm, I'm good with that. 
Um, few players. Uh, I did Juju uh, and a 2022 second. I would do that and super flex for, for Tua. And then I did a few QB wide receiver combos. So Jake, let me, I'll get, I'll kick it to you right after this. Give me your thoughts on Tua and these, but I said Sam Darnold and Chase Claypool or Derek Carr and Debo Samuel in super flex. Um, those are some young wide receivers. You're still kicking a quarterback back. It's always tough to make trades in super flex leagues for quarterbacks, but you still give that team, you know, somebody to plug into their roster. So What's your thoughts on Tua, and, and would you pay those prices, you know, for for Tua right now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I am so shocked at how quickly like the fantasy football community and I guess fantasy gamers as a whole have just given up on Tua. Like mm-hmm. this guy was the hottest thing in the streets just a little over <laughs> a year ago. He comes out there, and again, this is very similar to Jalen Hurts in in more than one way. He doesn't suck. Yet after the season's over, all these questions start swirling. Like, oh, is, is Miami going to go out? And they're going to sign Deshaun Watson now. Why would they do that? <laughs> and a top what top five pick on Tua? Did mm-hmm. they miss? And they should have taken Justin Herbert. Absolutely. Uh, but again, hindsight, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the thing is, you know, you brought up the one hundred six or one hundred seven being kind of equivalent to his value, and I agree. And I think I'd be willing to pay that too. But I don't think you have to. I think mm-hmm. whoever has Tua would let him go for a later first than that, especially with all the quarterback talent that's entering the draft this year. Uh, they might have some of the same mindset that people thought the uh, these NFL GMs would have in that, oh, well, let's try one of these new guys because Tua didn't go out there and do Justin Herbert type things. You know, we're all expecting quarterbacks to come into the league now and just throw for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns and set records a la Pat Mahomes. And it <laughs> yeah. just doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes they take the the Tua route. So uh, mm. I'm very much down with the values that you laid out there. Yeah, and I think the as, just to put a ball on the quarterbacks, I think uh, with on draft day, right, that 107 like might be today you could do that. But I think if you're if you're sitting there on draft day and you got and you're on the clock at 108, 109, like Jake said, like, all right, you know, I'm looking to move this at that time, there's value in people in and being at the podium, right? Like people want to make those picks. Uh, so I, I think you can move those, uh, you know, something even a little bit less on draft day. But there's a couple of young quarterbacks you could go after here. Let's move into the running backs. We got two apiece, but uh, Jake, why don't you give me your first one? Man, I'm going to do a complete 180 here from my 2020 stance on Joe Mixon because mm. he was an easy fade for me last season as a guy who was finding his way into the back end of the first round and a lot of fantasy drafts last season. And he seemed to present more than one red flag to me. Like we knew the Bengals O line was going to be bad heading into the 2020 season. Like what we saw and what happened to Joe Burrow shouldn't have really came as a shock to anybody. Uh, we knew that, you know, for Mixon to return value with a late first round ADP, he would probably have to have a career best season, which wasn't super likely with a rookie quarterback taking over the offense. Uh, we knew that Joe Burrow wasn't a huge threat in the receiving game. 2.2 receptions per game in 2019. Now, now that Mixon is gone and I'll just say disappointed fantasy owners in 2020 because that's kind of the vibe I'm getting, even though he was hurt and he was RB9 weeks one through six while he was active, but I see it all over fantasy Twitter. It just seems like people are done with Mixon and the owners, they're ready to trade him. And I'll tell you what, I think the time to trade for him is now. Cincinnati will address the offensive line this offseason. They're likely going to start that process by taking, I'm going to take a shot on saying 
Penny Sewell. I think I pronounced that right. That's pretty cool. So yeah, I think you're good. I think that's right. With the fifth overall pick in this year's draft. And, you know, for people who are who are suggesting that this offensive line rehab is going to be a multi-year process and you can't just flip it around in one year. Well, go look at the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Cleveland ranked 23rd on PFF's offensive line rankings following the 2019 season. Then all of a sudden, what does Kevin Stefanski do? He signs Jack Conklin. He brings in Jedrick Wills. All of a sudden, this team has one of the best offensive lines in the league. In fact, they went all the way from 23rd on PFF's offensive line rankings to first overall this year uh, following the 2020 season. So, I mean, Cincinnati, they already have a solid left tackle in Jonah Williams. They draft Sewell in the first round. They sign an average guard. I mean, that would be an improvement on what they have now. And then, you know, perhaps we can start opening up some running lanes for Mr. Joe Mixon. Uh, one one last trait that he possesses, one one last uh, attractive thing about Joe Mixon here. You know, there's about five running backs in the league who don't lose any carries to their backup. Uh, those those five or so being, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, and Joe Mixon. I don't think I left anyone out there. And sure, these guys are going to lose carries here and there. But for the most part, these guys have a huge strangle on their their individual backfields. Uh, Gio Bernard was hardly involved when Mixon was healthy. Just four attempts in the first five games. I mean, despite Burrow throwing the ball more often than any other quarterback in the league, Mixon was still able to average over 20, or he was able to average 20 carries per game through the first six weeks of the season on account of just owning that backfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now with you know, four years of experience under his belt, he's yet to turn 25 years old. There's going to be players drafted this year that are Joe Mixon's age. That's, you know, that's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but he's overcome adversity to say the least with these terrible Bengals teams. And he still produced two 1100 yard rush seasons as a 23 year old. So maybe let's give Joe Mixon the benefit of the doubt and face the facts that he can only improve from here. You know, we've never doubted the talent of Mixon before. Why start now? I truly believe that Joe Mixon has a career year in 2021 and he does sneak back in to that RB one territory. And, you know, you, you were throwing out the trade examples before Kyle. One of this is my, all-time favorite example if you can find some sucker who will trade you joe mixon for james robinson <laughs> nice oh that is the move my friends unload james robinson go get joe mixon. i'm telling you it's not going to be long before this cincinnati offense gets cooking yeah i i, I do like that that's funny um <laughs> that name's going to come up again here in a minute uh too but i i like the call on mixon because I, and I was right there with you. I think last year, you know, he was just in the news. You know, he got his contract extension. They had the new fresh quarterback. But, you know, as far as for, you know, what changed for him, we just didn't see enough. And I thought he was being a little bit overrated in 2020. And, you know, then he went down to injury, which, you know, really stinks. You know, you never want to see that regardless of what your call is. But with Mixon in 2021, I do think it's shifted a little bit too far the other way where he's his price is – you know, is solid. You can pick him up for reasonable cost. I yeah, think he is, he is extreme. He, he's super talented, right? I was going to say it's a fair price now. I felt yeah. like before what, he, what people were asking, it didn't make any sense, but you know, I, I feel like you can get Mixon for a reasonable price at this point. Yeah. And I, and I think he's got at least another couple years. He's like you mentioned, I think he's got what going to be 25. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you got at least another two years and that's enough for me for running back. Like, if you're sitting there waiting for the running back that's going to be on your team for six, seven, eight years, you're gonna you'll be disappointed every single time. You need to treat these running backs in a two year window, 
Uh, and I think right now the price equals what mixing can provide with upside. For so sure. I like that call a lot. I'm going to go with a veteran running back as well. <laughs> I try not to be unbiased whenever possible, but James I still, James Robinson. I can't. It you know Zeke is just I don't understand right now. He's RB 16 in DLF ADP. Um, he's 40th overall, and I get it. You know he's he's not what he was where he was last year. The what carries. Is he, what is he in ADP? He's he's 40th overall running back 16. That is so, and, that's stupid. And I just don't understand. Like, I, I get it. Like, he's pro- you're maybe buying him for two years, right? And th- But, again, that's all I'm looking for from my running back right now. And the guy that keeps coming up to me is Dalvin Cook. Now, Dalvin Cook's coming off a monster season, right? But Dalvin Cook turns 26 in August. So does Zeke turns 26 in July. They're the same exact age. Dalvin Cook is being taken as a top five running back and value that high. I think you can get – a comparable, if not maybe even better, running back in Ezekiel Elliott who doesn't miss time compared to Dalvin Cook who seems to waddle off the field every six plays, it seems. When you look at Zeke last year, his numbers were not what you expected. He did not return you know, the draft cap we had to spend on him, but he was still running back nine overall in 15 games, 50-plus receptions, three straight seasons. That's valuable. You need your running back to catch passes. Zeke's done that. The touchdowns took a little bit of a dip, but he still had eight in a season where Dak Prescott played four games and the entire offensive line was injured across the entire board. Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins on the tackles didn't play at all. Zach, all pro Zach Martin missed a lot of time. Travis Fedrick retired before the season and Connor Williams, who's the weakest link on that entire offense. He tore his ACL less than a year ago and was spotty at best. You know, all of those guys should return except Frederick, uh, and they've, they've invested some some higher mid-round picks in that offensive line. I think that'll turn around having Dak Prescott there, obviously, is going to give him a boost. So I'm buying Zeke right now. Even if it's just for 2021, I don't care. I think he's going to be a borderline RB1 still and and get it done. So uh, some, some, uh, some trades I put together that seem to work out. James Robinson and Alexander Madison for Zeke. Uh, I think that, that hit. I mean, let's go. <laughs> You might not even have to throw Madison in, to be honest. But <laughs> that is so funny, dude. I mean, if if someone would get if someone would give you Zeke for that pair, mm-hmm. you just take that to the bank. Yeah, I, I that's my favorite one. The other two that worked out in the calculator were AJ Dillon and a later 2021 first. So I think it was like nine or ten mm-hmm. um, gets it done. I would make that move. Um, especially right now, like I would make it right now. I mean, you're Dylan is very similar. He's like the Jalen Hurts of running backs. Like he could be dust in two weeks if they re-sign Aaron Jones, and then he could be awesome if they don't. And then the last one I had here, uh, this is kind. This would be you know a stud for stud type move, but I would trade. I would do this. I would trade away Mike Evans and Zach Moss for Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, I, I think Evans is definitely he had a solid year this year, but he's he's getting up there towards the magic age. I'm going to talk about here in a bit. Uh, with some with one of my running my wide receiver trade targets, but I would make that move. You know, running backs are are uh, are hard to come by, and that's just because they expire on you. But um, I think this is the the time is now. If 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 you've ever wanted to own Ezekiel Elliott, I think you can still own him and enjoy the ride for a couple of years. But so, what's what's your thoughts on on Zeke there, Jake? This has been one of the off season values that has made no sense. It's <laughs> like January. You know, even people saying. Would you rather have Derrick Henry or Ezekiel Elliott in Dynasty? Mm-hmm. I don't even have to think about it. I mean, it's, it's going to be Zeke on top of the, you know, what he can do as a pass catcher. Uh, 
I mean, the, the Zeke disrespect is just crazy right now. You know, when Dak comes back, the way I see it, Dak fixes everything. Do you think Zeke's going to have a nine-game stretch next season without a rushing touchdown like he did no. this season? With how frequently the Cowboys are going to be visiting the red zone, mm-hmm. Zeke's a sneaky candidate to end up with over 20 total touchdowns next season. Um, I, you know, Tony Pollard, you didn't mention, I think might be a little bit of a threat to, mm-hmm. to his workload in the sense that he's going to, he'll be sprinkled in. I don't think it's going to be just the Ezekiel Elliott show. I, mm-hmm. I listened to those names earlier of guys that, uh, had the stranglehold on their backfield. And I didn't put Zeke in there because I feel like it's not get that might not be the case this year. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I, I do think that Pollard's going to see more. Zeke was at 245 carries, I think last year. And if you're buying Zeke in, for dynasty, that 260 is probably solid. I don't know if you need him to be at 300. Otherwise, you know, he might, he might be gone even before you know it. But Pollard is definitely a factor, I, I believe. But um, I like the fact that Zeke still saw the receptions. I think that's the biggest piece for me. I was afraid that Pollard would come in and start taking catches. 25 years old. <laughs> We're talking about putting him in the trash. I don't know, man. 25. I'm 25. <laughs> Well, I'm glad no one's thrown you out yet, man. Come on, we'll, man. We'll keep, we'll keep you. We'll keep you on board. Uh, uh, yeah, I I don't get it. With I just honestly I don't. I was looking at him like, man, he's just buried right now, and yeah. I think it's a great time to add him if you need. So we'll keep this train moving. Another running back here, and I like I liked this name a lot that you had on the list. So uh, who you got here is your RB two. Yeah, I took a, a little bit of crap on Twitter in the past couple of days. Man, I never tweet. I go out and I say one thing, and here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be my hot take of the week, your hot Jake take of the week. Austin Eckler is going to outscore Alvin Kamara in 2020. It's going to happen. Uh, one of my favorite drafting tips this offseason is, off is going to be to fade Alvin Kamara in the first round, who's going to see a dip in passing volume no matter who's taking over for Drew Brees. And scoop up Austin Eckler in the second round where you still get a realistic shot at 1,000 rushing and 1,000 receiving. Even in, even in a limited season for Eckler, he still averaged the second most receptions per game and second most receiving yards per game for running backs behind only Alvin Kamara. Uh, last season, the big concern was what happens to Eckler when the check down king himself, Phillip Rivers, is out of the picture. Well, everything looks okay with Justin Herbert. Eckler still saw Target totals of 11, 16, two nine-target games. Um, he had the fifth most receptions and receiving yards among running backs despite playing just 10 games. You know, Needless to say, there's just there's little to no concern for me about his receiving production. But mm-hmm. even as a rusher, I'm nothing but optimistic because with a real weapon under center like Justin Herbert, no disrespect, Phillip Rivers, you are fine in your time. But you'd expect Austin Eckler, I think, to see even more light fronts than he normally would or what he was normally seeing with Phillip Rivers. Now that the deep ball is a threat, now that defenses kind of have to play on their heels, I really like what that what that poses for Austin Eckler moving forward. He improved upon his 4.22 yards per attempt in 2019, which was already solid. Bumped that up to 4.57 this year. Uh, the only part of Eckler's game that's really kept him out of that top five running back conversation over the past couple of years has been his lack of rushing touchdowns. Just four total rushing touchdowns in 2019 and 2020 combined. Uh, but Eckler makes for an excellent trade target in the sense that his name doesn't carry as much weight as an Alvin Kamara, a Saquon Barkley, a Christian McCaffrey. Those are extreme examples, but I would be the least shocked person in this room if Austin Eckler found himself you know, with a top five RB finish ahead of one or more of those three names that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. 
but that's why he's the perfect trade targets because that's in his range of outcomes, yet he's actually still attainable. Uh, but I think if you can get out from a player, you know, here's my example here, get out from a player like Aaron Jones with such an uncertain future and come away with someone like Austin Eckler, who for his entire career, he's going to have a nice PPR floor, even though it might not be whatever it is in 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll provide value longer than he, you know, longer than his legs will take him. You know, he'll still provide value as a receiver. Uh, so, you know, if that trade is on the table and you can make that happen, I think I'm pushing the trade button. Yeah. And you mentioned it with Eckler, the PPR floor, the catches. That's something that, you know, I mentioned it with like two years with a running back, you know, most of the time, that's about what you get unless you're you're picking these guy, guys up in the rookie draft. For somebody like Eckler, though, where so much of his value is based in the receiving game, I think that you can that lifespan is a you know is stretched a little bit further. So I like the call with Eckler a ton. Um, you know, we I think last year people were giving him a little bit too much hype because they were like Melvin Gordon's gone now. Here comes the rushing touch. Like probably not, you know, but that doesn't matter. He's still fine without him. Yeah, the hope was at that point that he becomes the next Christian McCaffrey yeah. uh, for the Chargers. But yeah, that never really came to fruition. Yeah, he did. He doesn't. You mentioned, I believe, you said four rushing touchdowns over the last two years. I, I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't look ahead of time whether he had any last year. But I know in 2019 he did not have another rushing touchdown after Melvin Gordon returned uh, from his holdout. So like, it's potentially almost been uh what 10 you know 22 24 games since he's had a rushing touchdown it's uh, been a minute for our friend austin <laughs> but i do like the call a lot and he's a guy that i think you're uh you mentioned with mixon i think with zeke and with eckler here these are all guys that i think could be big times difference makers for your team so i like that a lot um he's a guy that i would want to add i'd like austin eckler as a player and he's he's uh he's super safe i think but still has a lot of upside which is which is awesome I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pick us up here as far as uh speeding us along because I don't think I need to spend a lot of time on this next on this next running back. Are you sure? But uh we talked to, I mentioned uh Mix and Zeke and Eckler, those are difference makers. This guy is like a, a scratch off ticket that you don't even go to a gas station for. You just go to like the little kiosk in the in the bar or like, you know, at the grocery store on your way out. It's Rashad Penny, and Penny is how much you should be spending on this guy because the dude has is fallen completely off the radar. He's running back fifty in DLF ADP. He's a hundred eightieth overall, but Chris Carson's a free agent. So if Penny is the going to be the guy for the Seattle Seahawks, even if it's just for this one year, I'm willing to pay the price for him now. Um, now things can change quick. We're doing this pre free agency. We're doing this pre NFL draft. But all they've been talking about in Seattle since the end of the season is running the ball more. And Penny has, you know, he's a guy that when given the opportunity, he's been fine. You know, it's just Chris Carson's been there and earned it. And and unfortunately for Penny, he was drafted by the one team that doesn't really give a shit where they drafted you. So if he was on any other squad, he would have jumped up the depth chart and been first. Uh, but just Carson had the stranglehold on that, on that, uh, on that RB1 slot. So here is Jake, before I kick it back to you and you give me your thoughts on it, whether this guy's even worth talking about, but um, here's, this is the reason why I wanted to get him on this list. This, these trades worked out like easily on the trade calculator, a 2021 third rounder for Rashad Penny. Give me that Jameson Crowder for Rashad Penny. Give me that. Uh, and then this one, Brian Edwards for Rashad Penny. And you could probably get something else in return too. Yeah. So like I would do that. I would trade Brian Edwards for Rashad Penny. Like ah, just kick me back a twenty twenty two third. Like don't worry about that. That's that's future use problem to recoup that right. 
Like that's the that's the move I'm making to grab this guy. I think he could be your he could turn into your RB two for the cost of almost nothing. Uh, and if it's just a one year thing, who cares? You're not giving anything up for him. So that's my Rashad Penny rant, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess the team that wants Rashad Penny, like I, I found myself in that situation with a roster last year where I had no running back depth. Like I don't know how I ended up like my running back was like Adrian Peterson or something. Like I hadn't maintained this team since 2014. <laughs> But I, I went out and I, I I went out and acquired Darius Geis, um, a little more pricey at, at that point. But I kind of like what you're trying to do with Rashad Penny here. It's almost like a band aid play. Like yeah. you can fill that roster spot for this season, and Rashad Penny is nothing but upside. Mm-hmm. He's going to cost you nothing. That 2021 third, I'd be willing to pay that for Penny if I needed a running back this year. Uh, I think you probably could get Penny and something else for Brian Edwards, who hasn't done anything in the league yet. But it is amazing. These guys like Rashad Penny and another name that came to mind was Royce Freeman. Like, remember, yeah. these guys were like the heroes of the NFL draft. I'm looking at Rashad Penny's senior stats, a, a 2,200 rushing yards, 23 touchdowns. It makes you wonder what happened. I guess that would be my only pause for concern in, in Seattle. He's been around for so long. Are they willing to just hand him the keys and say, okay, and give him maybe that like Derrick Henry route into the league where like, okay, you've taken your snaps behind Deion Lewis. Now let's see what you can do. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I don't know. At the end of the day, I, I, I can't say that I'm extremely optimistic for Rashad Penny, but again, at the price you have to pay, uh, I mean, you can't go wrong. Well, and you mentioned names like Penny and Freeman, like that, that, you should remember those things on draft day now because none of these things are sure things at all. As much as we all think they're going to hit, they, yep. they I mean, they can turn into nothing real quick. So I thought uh, you, you were going to make a low cost joke there, right there with Rashad Penny and Royce Free. Oh, no, I missed it. Damn. Well, yeah, I'm blaming you for that one first. You you brought up the names and didn't and didn't dunk it home. And here I am left holding the bag. So. <laughs> damn it all right well let's get back on track wide receivers uh you got a young guy and we're going another sophomore uh player here so who you got yeah man i got for you the fantasy football community's worst kept secret so far this offseason mr brandon Ayuk. uh in all honesty at this point like you've probably got to pay up a little bit for brandon Ayuk, and i have no problem doing that Kyle Shanahan is so head over heels in this guy, and it kind of shows considering they reached for him in the first round of last year's draft. I don't know about you, but I didn't see that pick coming at all. Uh, There was this one quote from Ayuk's position coach at Arizona State, his wide receiver coach, that I've referenced more than once in a couple articles and on a couple podcasts. But he says something along the lines of, uh, Torrey Holt is the best wide receiver he's ever coached, but Ayuk is the closest wide receiver that he's had to Torrey Holt. Now, this is a guy who's been coaching college football for a very, very, very long time. I believe since the 80s. So I take a comment like that, and I, I, you know, I mean, that's super high praise coming from this guy. And since reading that quote and seeing the draft capital uh, that he was able to command, I mean, Ayuk is immediately on my radar as one of the most underrated wide receivers in this class. So you look ahead and say, okay, what did he do in his rookie season? Super underwhelming first five games. He averaged just three catches for 30 yards in each game. Then he hits the gas pedal. Next six games, and on a per-game average, you are getting 11.5 targets, 7.5 receptions, 95 yards. I'm going to round that up. You were getting 100 yards. 
and and point seven touchdowns. I don't think I can get away with rounding up. That, that seems a little, that's a little bit of a stretch, but yeah. all right, we'll give it one hundred touchdowns. Yeah, one hundred touchdowns. I'm out of control now. But listen, this guy, he was wide receiver three in average fantasy points per game over that period of time. Almost half the season, he was giving you 17 fantasy points per game. Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill were the only two wide receivers to outplay Brandon Ayuk from weeks seven through 15 uh, from a fantasy football perspective. You know, the the haters are going to immediately point out, and I, I see you over there, Kyle, you're thinking it. They're going to immediately point out George Kittle and Debo Samuel both missing time during that stretch, which... Definitely inflated Ayuk's targets per game up to up to almost twelve. Uh, but you know what? Listen, I've tried in the past to invalidate players' talent on account of the supporting cast or lack thereof, and it pretty much never works out. And I told you, you know, this is my strategy now going into twenty twenty one for evaluating players. Ayuk is a special talent, and I'm siding with the talent on this one in twenty twenty one. That's the, that's the move I'm going with, regardless who's on the field. Uh, for San Francisco in 2021, Ayuk's going to play a major role in that offense. You know, we talked about this a little bit before, too. If we're redrafting this 2020 class, I'm taking CeeDee Lamb. I'm taking Justin Jefferson. Now I'm going to pause and I'm going to think for a little bit, you know, because it's really close to me right there between T. Higgins and Brandon Ayuk. Right now, I give the edge to T. Higgins on account of I already know who his quarterback is. I know that he's tied to a franchise QB in Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. However, Jimmy G is not the future in San Francisco. If San Francisco can make a move on one of these free agent quarterbacks or even trade up in the draft for one of these epic prospects coming into the league this year, then it's only going to unlock the true potential of Brandon Ayuk. Uh, but but what, what I'm understanding so far is that like his value is kind of all over the place. Like You can find guys who have him in their top 10 dynasty wide receivers and guys who have him outside their top 20. That being said, I'd start with a lowball offer if you want to go acquire Brandon Ayuk to kind of get an idea of where your league mates league mates are with the guy. You know, if they would take Kenny Galladay for Brandon Ayuk, I would do that. If they take Juju Smith Schuster, I would do that. If they would take an early second rounder, maybe I would do that. Yeah. But I would bet at this time next year that Brandon Ayuk is a consensus top twelve dynasty wide receiver. Putting all my chips yeah. in on this guy. I, I like it. I think think back a year ago, you know, it, unlike Tua, which I talked about earlier, right? He was the 102 at Superflex. He just was. They, they didn't even call it the 102. We called it Tua instead. 102. With, with I, <laughs> see, you're on fire. Uh, Ayuk for me is an instant, like if I'm the Ayuk owner, I probably paid mid-second. And if you're coming to me with a early second or better yet, you know, the 110, 111, 112, like I'm like, ho, ho, man, I just, I made a profit. Exactly. Right. So you can you can definitely use that versus Tua where you're trying to convince somebody to like, hey, take a loss on yeah. this, right? On Ayuk, you can kind of kick a little extra in their mind and and get this guy. I do I do agree with you. I think that people are gonna knock him for Kittle and Debo not being there, but that it all he got the opportunity. He showed up and he did his thing. And exactly. and I think a lot of, I think you're right as far as giving Higgins the edge, I think that most people would. I don't but I don't think they're that far apart. And in all honesty, I might like it better knowing that Ayuk is tied to Kyle Shanahan, no matter who his quarterback is, than in comparison to T. Higgins tied to Burrow. But they got Memphis's whipping boy, Zach Taylor, there as the cube, as the head coach. And he's going to be gone after this year, right? So, I mean, I, I think it's – I'd rather have him tied to the offense versus a little bit more unknown 
you know, two years from now. And and Jimmy G is probably all but gone after 2021. We all thought it was going to be even this year because of the dead money. But I like the call. I like the name. And I think you can you can add him right now. It's probably, you know, it's hard to add young guys in trades, like to acquire them. But I think this is a guy that you could do that. So Yeah, dude's going to be a superstar, man. You heard it here. <laughs> I would say first, but you heard it here like 200th, baby. Yeah. <laughs> You still heard it, so that's good, man. I, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip the script a little bit. I'm gonna do something dangerous. I'm gonna recommend trading for a guy in dynasty that is about to turn 28 years old. The wide receiver position. I know this guy. I don't know what the hell's going on. He's half buried in everyone else's backyard, but it's <laughs> Cooper Cup. I mean, the guy came into the league too old and he got knocked for it. Now he's gonna be too old again, apparently, because the dude's wide receiver 37. And DLF ADP, 100th overall. I will round out because it was 99.6 or something. I think that's more reasonable. Yeah. The dude got Matthew Stafford as his quarterback this offseason. I don't think that's anything but an upgrade. He's had 90-plus catches each of the last two years. He stayed relatively healthy. He had 10 touchdowns in 2019, dipped down to three in 2021. That was the whole reason why his finishing position was just on the edge of a wide receiver, too. But I think those touchdowns come back. Uh, with this offense just being improved. You know, I, I think as far as the touchdown percentage with Jared Goff in 2019, thought that would positively regress. And unfortunately, it just didn't, you know. But I, I do think that positive regression is coming for this offense. I think there's more passing touchdowns to be had. And Cooper Cup is a guy that even just turning 28 this upcoming June is somebody that two, three years still, you have really good value with him um, paired with Matthew Stafford. And, you know, people just – waiting for these wide receivers to turn 28 and then just bash them. But at this point, I still think you have a few good years left. And that at that price, here's some trades that worked out on DLF trade analyzer, a 2021, uh, 2021 second for Cooper cup. I'm smashing that. Give me that all day. LaVisca Sonal and Cole Beasley for, uh, for Cooper cup was a wide receiver duo that I do. I know Chenault's gaining a little bit of traction. He's young and he's going to get a new QB, but I'll take, I'll take Cooper cup. Uh, Chenault wishes he could be Cooper Cup. So, and then the but the last one here, if you want to trade a running back for Cooper Cup, uh, these guys were almost identical in their value on DLF. But Kareem Hunt for Cooper Cup, I would make that move. And instant Hunt's already up there a little bit. He's sharing a backfield with Nick Chubb right now. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take 90 plus catches and add it right to my squad uh, and feel damn good about that. So, uh, I. I mentioned Zeke earlier. He's my boy. Cooper Cubs been I'm a big fan of his for a while, so I'm gonna stick with it even in Dynasty. Uh it seems I know it's crazy, but what's your thoughts on Cup? Is this a guy that you would be looking to add or you just kinda of holding your cards? I'm mostly holding my cards, but you bringing him up is at least intriguing. I think where where you find the value with Cooper Cup is most like you said, most dynasty owners, they're gonna start freaking out when they see that twenty seven now turning twenty eight. But he kind of has those like Julian Edelman miles on him. Like he, like you mentioned before, he only got his career started as a 24-year-old. So he's only been in the league for four years. So just because we see 27, 28 doesn't mean he's got all these miles on him. Like he's still fresh. He's still good to go. Um, he, he He's come just short of 100 catches for two consecutive years. Now he kind of hovers around that like 100 catch, 1,000-yard, um, 1,100-yard range. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of I don't I don't think it goes much higher. I think it stays sort of the same. I, I am curious though why you lean towards Cooper Cup and why it wasn't Robert Woods who you're more interested in acquiring. They're they're both about the same age. I think if I was looking at this um earlier and I I don't have it in front of me unfortunately, but I think Woods had did see that Stafford bump 
and he was a little bit higher in ADP, if I remember correctly. So if as far as like, I don't know which one's going to get the bump. I, I don't think there's a clear winner. I think they both see a little bit of a jump versus having Jared Goff in 2021 as their quarterback. The one thing with Cup is, you know, that I like about, that I really like about Cup is the catches have been there. The yards have been modest and, and fine, but he's he's been that red zone target for that team. He doesn't really have, they don't really have anyone else. Um, that they've turned to when they've actually thrown the damn ball when they get down in the red zone. Um, Over the last year and a half, they've just been running it nonstop down there. But um, if with Stafford, they start throwing the ball a little bit more, I don't think Woods is, you know, a dominator outside, um, like in the red zone. So I think they can both improve. um, But Cup just seems to be getting a little less love these days. So I'll take the cheaper guy. They're close enough for me. No more questions asked, sir. <laughs> All right, you got another wide receiver here, and uh, you're you're getting on Memphis's good side with this. He, he's well. Memphis is well represented on this show, uh, so I'll kick it to you for your wide receiver too. I wanted to mention this guy because he was impossible for me to get this time last year. Terry yeah. McLaurin at this point last year, dude, the hype train was out of the station, full force. He was just completely unattainable because. Every, you know, every player has their price or every gamer has their price rather. But those who rostered Terry McLaurin in his rookie season, they want an arm and a leg in return for him because that is the diamond in the rough that they found. That was the guy that they were able to get in the second round of rookie drafts. uh, And now they're just infatuated with him. They love Terry McLaurin. Um, Scary Terry, he finished as the wide receiver 19 last season in half PPR, which compared to some people's expectations was kind of a letdown, including my own. I kind of saw him pushing that top 12 uh, threshold a little more. But I'm still just as excited about Terry McLaurin's career this season as I was last season because uh, there's reason to believe that it's really only uphill from here for here from here. It's only uphill from here. For Terry and Washington. Man, that's a tongue twister. Listen, between Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins, the Washington quarterback was averaging 200 passing yards per game and less than one touchdown. Show me a wide receiver in the league that's going to make that work. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you put that kind of context behind it, it's actually kind of impressive that Terry McLaurin was able to finish his wide receiver 19. Uh, but Washington doesn't pick in the draft this year until 17th overall this season. And given their defense is the only reason that they were even able to win seven games this season, you have to imagine that the Washington football team is going to go offense in the first round. You know, one way or another, they have to address the quarterback position this offseason. We don't want to see, you know, poor Terry McLaurin follow a similar career path to Allen Robinson, where, you know, he can he never has a quarterback that can complete 65% of his passes. Uh, but, but one of my favorite reasons for seeking out Terry McLaurin on all of my rosters, much like Joe Mixon and his opportunity share in Cincinnati is McLaurin is it in Washington and a 98% snap share in both of his two NFL seasons, which is pretty much unprecedented. I mean, this dude never comes off the field. Uh, even players like AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley, they were held to less than 85% snaps this season. I mentioned how non-existent the Washington passing game was in 2020, and McLaurin was still the sixth most targeted receiver in the league with 134 targets. With a competent quarterback taking over for this team, I think we're finally going to see that Terry McLaurin ceiling that, you know what, in my opinion, he hasn't really even come close to hitting yet. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, just to kind of gauge where I'm at on Terry McLaurin, I would prefer him over names like Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, the aforementioned Mike Evans. 
I think I'd take Terry McLaurin over Keenan Allen and also Kenny Galladay. So just that big group of like the veteran uh, 26 to 27 year old receivers, that that tier of guys. I want Terry McLaurin right above that. Yeah, I like I like McLaurin a lot. You mentioned this. If you've had him on your teams, on your rosters, it's been great seeing that he's just the guy. You know, a little bit of emergence from Logan Thomas last year was solid. I'm interested to see if they add weapons. They've literally done nothing. That's why, you know, Mm -hmm. as much as Dwayne Haskins was a knucklehead, like they gave that dude no help ever. Um, They they fell ass backwards into Terry McLaurin. And other than that, like, you know, now what else have you done? So if they add another piece to that offense, which I think they need to, like hopefully the quarterback upgrade will be enough where even if his – um, you know, the snap share will obviously be there, but even if his target share dips a little bit, you know, as those quality of targets will hopefully, um, you know, balance that out, you know, yeah. if, if again, we're, else there. we're just trying to improve on 200 passing yards and one passing. Touchdown. <laughs> I mean, that's, yes. that's, like a, that's like a receiving line for Antonio Brown in 2018. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm definitely excited if I have McLaurin because I think better days are ahead at the quarterback position. Uh, and, and, and the price has cooled a little bit. Uh, from last year. So I think he is acquirable right now. And if you can sell one of those bigger veteran names, um, even if you got to kick a little bit in there, like I would, you know, if I, if I, if that's what I had to do to get it done, you know, if I had to say Kenny Galladay and, you know, I got a late second, whatever, you know, just to, I'm done. I'm good with that. You know, yeah. that's, I'm, you're, you're saving, uh, you're gaining a bunch of years. You know, McLaurin's a little bit younger and I, I think we haven't seen his best days yet. So no, that, that production will come. I'm telling you, as soon as they fix that quarterback position, it's coming. So I'm going with another young wide receiver. This is another sophomore guy. And I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure this out after I did all this. I'm not sure if I want to target him, but so many people are telling you to do this on Twitter and ev- and everywhere that it just seems a little too obvious to me where maybe I'm not going to jump in. But currently wide receiver 28 and 80th overall in DLF ADP. It's Jerry Judy, who was, you know, I – I feel like he was a consensus wide receiver too in rookie drafts last year. I mean, I saw him going ahead of Lamb um, in yeah. some spots. You know, he he came into the league as you know this uh, precise route runner. You know, ready you know to perform right away. Went to Denver, who you know was in a position that they needed wide receivers. Then Colton Sutton goes down early, so you thought there was even to be more for him. But Drew Locke just never took that step. Uh, in 2020 and now you know now they really don't have a direction um, because they're you know do they pay they got to move up a little bit uh, in the draft they're outside I think they're outside the top 10 just outside the top 10 in NFL draft order so in order to submit you know to acquire one of those top three quarterbacks they might have to pay up a little bit they haven't made a move in free agency yet what you know Deshaun Watson apparently is rumored there which I believe that when I see it but you you have the things with Jerry Judy. You had the draft capital being a first round pick, all the hype, the route running that we've seen on display. You know, I don't have any advanced metrics in front of me, but you see the little videos all the time. And that's why this guy's getting hyped that you need to buy him now, right? His price is cheaper than what it was a year ago. And the quarterback upgrade has to be coming, right? Similar to Terry McLaurin. Like it can't be any worse than what he had last year. In fact, in a game he didn't even have a quarterback. So, like, is this a guy that you should be buying? You know, I, I think that in I think that in like a Tua way, you know, it's worth saying like, hey, man, I can get him a little bit cheaper than what I would have had to pay for him last year, right? And and that gets factored in. But for me, he's being so hyped right now. I just don't know if his price tag is just a little bit too high where it's like, I don't want to pay that, that 
you know, whatever 103 price was last year in no, a, in some places, you, you, you know, getting, you should be getting a discount on them now. Yeah. So you should be. So here's some, here's some trades that I put together. And then I want your thoughts, Jake. Um, I would, if you can sell high on Dave Montgomery, I'd do that um, in an instant for Jerry Judy. Um, I did uh Clay, chase Claypool and then add in kind of a, you know, low end running back. I did Damian Harris and it worked. Um, and then, or, uh, Robert Woods in a 2020, uh, one second. So, and I think that ended up being like mid, mid 2022, 2021 second, I would do those moves, um, to get Jerry Judy, which I think is probably a little bit on the cheaper side. I don't know if those are getting accepted if I throw those out there. So right now, but Jake, what's your thoughts on Judy? Cause he seems to be a hot name that people are going after right now. Yeah, and it, it, I think it's much like what I was saying before with the quarterback thing. It's like everyone expects the quarterbacks to enter this league and just throw for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Well, it's the same with receivers now, too, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you get guys like Justin Jefferson who are setting the bar at 1,400 yards. I mean, come on. Of course, now it looks like Jerry Judy had a terrible season, but he was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you'd hope to maybe see better numbers since Cortland Sutton wasn't involved in the offense, but you can only do so much with, with Drew Locke completing whatever, 43 to 44% <laughs> of his passes. He's just, he's not good. Yeah. Uh, but I, I spent a lot of time on good old playerprofiler.com. And one of the more predictive stats for fantasy football success is air yards. And Jerry Judy did finish one, two, three, four, five, six in the NFL in air yards. And just to put an idea of what kind of company that puts him in, uh, the list goes Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, DJ Moore, then Jerry Judy is sandwiched in between uh, him and Justin Jefferson, Allen Robinson, Chase Claypool, DeAndre Hopkins. These guys are the best wide receivers in the game. And Jerry Judy, he's slowly, he's going to get there. Uh, I'm, I'm not concerned about Cortland Sutton coming back out in the offense. If anything, I think maybe that assists Jerry Judy a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it takes some of the pressure off of him. So he isn't the number one option in that offense. But Ultimately, it all comes down to they just got it. They got to find a franchise quarterback or they got to take a step up from Drew Locke because that ain't getting it done. No, not 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 at all. And I think that if you're buying into Judy right now, I still think that that the minute they do address that quarterback position, it's going to the value is going to shoot up again. So I think you got to get in while the getting's good um, on him. So I, I like it a lot. I'm hoping I can get I can add him in a few leagues and not pay the, the price that uh, you had to pick him up in 2020 rookie drafts, but let's, let's get to the vegetables as we're wrapping this thing up. We're right at an hour here. So we got two tight ends for a one a piece. Uh, and Jake, why don't you kick it off? Yeah. How about a real nice segue here? And we'll, we'll stick with the Denver Broncos and Noah Fant. We um, planned that by the way. Yeah. yeah and you know what? I even, made, <laughs> I even made a note here that I wanted to mention that this Denver Broncos offense, they are kind of just a quarterback away from being one of the better offenses in the league, at least on paper. Mm-hmm. Like we all like to ooh and ah at the Dallas Cowboys and their Amari Cooper and CD Lamb and Michael Gallup and Ezekiel Elliott. But what is that team without Dak Prescott? I think we saw that in 2020. Yeah, it wasn't great. I'll tell you <laughs> that. I watched every damn game. It sucked. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. That was a highlight reel of their 2020 season after week four. Drew Locke doesn't get nearly as much of like the media attention or like just the natural hate, I feel, as a guy like Carson Wentz. Meanwhile, he was equally, if not just more terrible in 2020. Last in the league with a 57.3% completion percentage. There's that stat. Bam. Uh, And despite having a decent supporting cast in Denver, you know, Jerry Judy, Melvin Gordon in the backfield, 
Noah fans, even Tim Patrick, he shined for a couple games. He was solid. Yep. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if it's enough to excuse Locke's performance on account of Cortland Sutton uh, missing the year with a torn ACL. But just imagine this offense with a real NFL caliber quarterback. If they hadn't, I keep picturing Mac Jones, man, with, 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 as being the guy uh, with Sutton on one side and Judy on the other side, allowing mm-hmm. for some favorable matches for, I don't want to get too off, topic, too off topic here, allowing some favorable matchups for Noah fans, who, in case you've forgotten, is one of the more athletic specimens we've even ever seen at the tight end position. Uh, back to good old playerprofiler.com. Fant scored 96 percentile or better on every single one of the workout metrics on that website. It's an absolutely amazing chart. It's beautiful. I suggest you check it out if you have not already. Uh, but we're starting to see that freak athleticism translate onto the field. In 2020, Fant finished third among tight ends in yards after the catch. Um, you know, the final stat line isn't really sexy. 62 receptions, 673 yards, and just three touchdowns. But he's making that natural progression that you'd expect from a tight end in the NFL, despite having to catch passes or chase down passes, rather, from Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fant was tight end 13 in average fantasy points per game this season. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call a buy now window. Fantasy gamers are impatient creatures. Uh, you know, they say it takes three years anyways to break out in, in the NFL if you're a tight end. So, you know, watch what happens when they make that inevitable quarterback upgrade in 2021. Uh, Denver does pick ninth this year. And ninth. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I very much expect a quarterback, a decent one to be available with that pick. Mm-hmm. And if, if they don't take a quarterback, I would be surprised. But, you know, if, if you do roster Fant right now, you hold him. You do not sell because the value just is not right there right now. But you know what? If you don't roster fans, I think you should go get them. Just 23 years old now. You know, and, and a couple of suggestions I had is, you know, maybe offer up a tight end who had some production this season. Like the tight end three. I would, you know, tight end three, Robert Tanyan. Bye. <laughs> See ya. I'll take Noah Fan. How about yeah. how about tight end seven? Logan Thomas. Bye. See you, Logan. It was nice knowing you. I'm going to take Noah Fant, the, the guy who, like I said, the athletic freak at the position. It's going to happen for him. It's just only a matter of time. And I think mm-hmm. once that Denver offense gets cooking, it's going to really start to show on the uh, stat sheet. Yeah, and uh, I, I like that a lot. I think it's, this is something that I think the Mac Jones pick there, well, he, one thing that he's kind of been – you know, he's kind of been touted like, hey, he's not the he's not going to be the difference maker that the guys at the top of the board, which I think if he lands, if you put him in the right situation, like Denver, who is the the anti Washington football team, all they did was add weapons around Drew Locke and they quickly found out that they didn't have their guy. So I think, you know, if you put him with all those weapons, you didn't even mention KJ Hamler was a second round pick. Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, they they did nothing but put guys around. They even gave Locke his boy, Albert. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they did just stacked this freaking offense. And the offensive line improved. Um, I always forget what the hell the Garrett Bowles, the Lion King guy or whatever. Uh, he had a bounce back season. He was one of the best offensive tackles in the game. Uh, you know, they they just need that quarterback. And I, I do I do believe they still have Pat Shermer, right, as their offensive coordinator, who I, you know, sucked as a head coach, but he's a great offensive coordinator. They just – nobody there at that in that quarterback room. Sometimes literally no one there. So <laughs> I, I like the Noah fan call. Um I'll, I'll make this one quick and easy. I would prefer Noah Fan if you can go grab him. I think his price tag is probably reasonable. But I think we're finally to the point where people might just be forgetting about Irv Smith just a bit. Um, this is a guy that's been really hard to acquire over the last few years because he was hyped coming out of school. 
He was a second round pick, so he had you know some draft capital, and um, you know, but he's been trapped, you know, behind Kyle Rudolph, which everyone expected him to just take that leap, but he kind of he just never hasn't really done it yet. No. Um, but I think that breakout is coming with Irv Smith. They have um, after this 2021 season, so we might have to deal with Kyle Rudolph one more season. But after this year, Rudolph's dead cap money is under three million, so they could cut him loose. Irv Smith is still extremely young. He came into the league extremely young. So when he hits free agency, uh, he's only going to be tw- he's turning 23 in August of this year. So he's going to be 20. He's going to be 25 when he hits free agency. Um, so even if he never gets out of the shadow of Kyle Rudolph in Minnesota, I still this is a guy that I've invested now. Even if he doesn't break out in 2021, that he can once he finds a new destination. He saw 70 plus snaps over the final three games once Rudolph was finally out. He put up three touchdowns over that span. At the end of last season, obviously an extremely small sample size, but he's an extremely athletic tight end, and I'm willing to buy into that. And I couldn't believe how cheap he is right now when you're looking at DLF um, trade analyzer. You could give a 2021 third, uh, an, er- an earlier 2021 third. You could give a later 20, you could give two tw- uh, third round picks, like a late 2021 third and a 2022 third. I'm doing that all day. Uh, you could. You could give away Christian Kirk and get Irv Smith and a later round pick back. I would do that. Gabriel Davis heads up for Irv Smith worked out really evenly. And then if you want to, if someone's not paying attention, um, you could trade away Austin Hooper, kick in a third rounder and upgrade to Irv Smith, according to this trade analyzer. Now I'm willing to, I'd be willing to pay that early third, no doubt um, for Irv Smith, just to see if I can hit on this guy. I want a difference maker at the position. Noah fans, probably one of those guys as well. Irv Smith needs, could be one of those guys where you don't want to be riding in the middle. You don't, you don't just want to be sitting there with Hunter Henry forever. Um, you want, you want to hope that you can hit on that top five guy, you know? Um, and I, I think when you talk about the athletic freaks like Darren Waller, you know, I think we got to give these tight ends a little bit of time and we haven't even got there yet. Um, one, just taking it back before I kick it to you, Jake, to wrap up the Irv Smith talk. The thing about Fant is we just saw his running mate, TJ Hawkinson break out. Um, in 2020, I had a good season, but he's a tight end. So, and Fant was even behind that. So I think you can factor that into your Noah Fant trade discussions, but, uh, is Irv Smith somebody that you'd want to add right now? Yeah, I, I think so. Especially in tight end premium leagues. You know what Irv Smith is, man? He's a, he's a unicorn. <laughs> it, everyone's chasing this idea of this magical tight end and he's like mm-hmm. this big freak and it's going to happen. And you know what? I kind of believe it too. And, you know, let, let's all pump the brakes because he is he's not even 23 years old yet. Yeah. Let's give this guy a chance. It's it, it's going to work out. Um, I, You know, I like the pick. I'm not going to give you too much uh, worthless analysis on Herb Smith. But, uh, you know, th- there's targets up for grabs, I think, in Minnesota, you know, especially once Adam Thielen's out of the picture. Who knows if, if at that point Herb Smith's even a uh, Minnesota Viking. But as I said earlier in this episode, I'm going to side with the talent, and Irv Smith has that talent. So no matter what team he ends up on uh, in the future, I'll, I'll be riding with him for sure. Yeah, and I think it, with you mentioned like you're like we keep waiting on Irv Smith. I think people are getting impatient. But I don't think it's too far gone. I don't think it's like oh. I don't think we're in OJ Howard territory yet, where it's just like it's done. Just let it die. It's over. And if you oh. Devonte Parker's on you. Who cares? Like no one would buy into that. Irv Smith, I think, is just getting a little bit over the edge where people are just kind of tired of waiting. But I think this is the perfect time to jump in and you know somebody else rostered him for two years for you. Now you can take advantage of the value. So yep. this is the third year. This is where it's supposed to go down for Irv Smith. 
Exactly. So uh, there you go. There's six trade targets for you guys. We went a little bit over the hour here, but I think this is valuable information. Uh, especially love giving you guys a little few examples of where how to value these guys and approach your trades because obviously every league's different, every roster's different, and and but uh, and you guys know how to make dynasty trades, but sometimes we miss that point of kind of putting it in perspective a little bit. So Jake, any parting thoughts as we uh, wrap up today's show? Uh, you know what? Follow me at Jake takes FF on Twitter. I'm trying to get more involved on there and, and talk to some of you folks. Uh, and, and while you're doing so, maybe hop on over to the DWZ channel and drop a review for the good old SmackDown. Yeah, dude, I saw you posted that. Uh, I'd take Eckler over Kamara. I saw it right before the show I was scrolling through. And I think you posted it Sunday. Had like a hundred likes. I'm like, dude, who is this guy? Man, shaking <laughs> off the rust. Let's go. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So definitely give Jake a follow. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Month Eight. And as Jake mentioned, definitely go drop a review. I know we're trying to build up those Apple Podcast reviews over at uh, the Dynasty Warzone feed, and, and we'll give you guys a few quick reminders because I didn't mention at the top of the show. If you're listening to this on the Fantasy Football SmackDown feed, we're going to continue to put the shows on here for a few more weeks, but eventually we're going to move this thing to purely just putting it on the Dynasty Warzone feed. So make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. We've been cross-posting these shows for a few weeks, but uh, make sure you're subscribed over there. Otherwise, give us a follow, and we'll be back here next week with a little free agency preview. We'll talk to you guys then.